Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Good morning. Welcome in. It's The Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio with T.J. Hushman's Adam Doug Gottlieb. Happy Labor Day to you. We have a weekend of college football in our back pocket. More ball to be played. And of course, we are just uh, three nights away. Right? I mean, I never, this is like back when, um, and this is something that the kids won't be able to say these days, right? When you used to stop and ask for directions. Right? When you stop and ask for directions, like, oh, you go four lights up and you take a right. Nobody has to ask for directions because you got in your phone now. Not right? anymore. Right? But four lights up and then then the, and then you'd pull away and you're like, wait, should do I count the first light? Do I do it? So when I say, okay, so it's four three nights away, right? So tonight's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then Thursday night is that am I right by saying three nights away or is it four nights away? I, which 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 is the the technical? It's three three nights. Okay, I did get it. I just want to make sure that I wasn't I was counting the right number of nights. So as we get ready for that, you heard you heard the update from Brian Finley that um, they're going to sign Jason Peters uh, to give them some some stability on the offensive line. Um, Dak Prescott, of course, is the cow the Cowboys quarterback. He had this to say about Tyler Smith, who's going to start for Tyron Smith. Said expects him to be ready uh, to play. TJ, like, look, they're taking on a Tampa team that has their own offensive line issues, but defensive front doesn't appear to be an issue. Yet outside of C.D. Lamb, you don't really have healthy top-end wide receivers. What are the Cowboys going to look like when they when they take the field against the Buccaneers this weekend? 
if you ask Dax Prescott, they don't, they don't look great. Look like a million dollars. I don't believe the Cowboys. They when when you lose the amount of players that they've lost, and, and then the guys you're counting on to be pillars of your team get injured. Tyron Smith, Michael Gallup isn't ready to go from last year's injury. This is all going to fall on Dak Prescott's shoulder, CeeDee Lamb, and that run game. And that run game hasn't been that run game in years. And, and so what will they be? They'll be a team that offensively will have to be perfect in hope and pray that their defense uh, is dominant. That defense is going to have to be dominant. And they have the players at every level to be a really good defense. Can Trayvon Diggs, can he get that many interceptions again this year? That It's hard. It's, it's hard to, year after year, continue to get a ton of interceptions. Can, can he do that again? Can Micah Parsons accumulate as many sacks as he did? Can Demarcus Lawrence stay healthy this year? There's just so many variables when you talk about the Cowboys. Yes, they just signed Jason Peters. Well, is he going to be a veteran leader? You would assume by week three he'll be in there starting. He's 40 years old. You got to get your legs up under you. But how is his body going to react? Not going through training camp, no offs. Yeah, you've been training, but playing football is different than training. And so the Eagles should be better. The Washington Commanders defensively are always going to present a problem. Brian Dable with, with the Giants, they, they should be better. I'm just not sure that I expect the Cowboys to be what Dak Prescott and the Cowboys fans expect them to be. Can you believe that it's been since the mid-90s that they've had back-to-back 10-win seasons? Like, that's kind of remarkable. Could it be it's just a lot of parity in that division? Or they just can't put back-to-back good seasons together? You you tell you tell me. I don't think it's I don't think it's the parity in the division because during that time there have been plenty of droughts for the rest of that division, and literally since 1996, that was the last time they had back to back ten win seasons, and that was they had what was I think six in a row. Obviously, that's when they had they had Troy at quarterback, so um, it, f- it fell apart. That was B- Barry Switzer had the last kind of. Then he had a six and ten year. Then Chan Gailey won ten with Troy and uh, then they went through some lean years but um, it's been since 1996 they've had back-to-back 10 win seasons that, that to me is just crazy considering one how much discussed the Cowboys are and discussed as like every year like this is gonna be could this be the year for the Cowboys well they have I, I do feel like this is not a year where people outside of Dallas think this is gonna be their year but they do CD Lamb's a star Micah Parsons a star you know, you do have some other good pieces, and the division isn't seen as being great. I mean, I think the Eagles have probably a, a, a little bit a better roster. It just there's not the belief at Jalen Hurts in, in comparison to Dak Prescott. So, uh, but it's it's really remarkable their inability to put back to back, you know, big seasons together. I like the Eagles to time. win this division. I, I like the Eagles to win this division j- just off of overall roster construction and offensively, defensively, complementary football, they they can win it offensively or they can win it defensively. And the Cowboys can as well, but when you take CeeDee Lamb away, where do they go? 
where do they go with the ball? And, and so now this is where Dak Prescott, he's going to earn his money. Yeah. He, he, he's going to earn that contract by – I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this guy a name. Yeah. And who 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 will be that guy? We don't know. But if the Cowboys play well, it will be because Dak Prescott are bringing people to our attention that we had no idea who they were. And, and so that's what you pay these quarterbacks the amount of money that they receive for those moments. So you can say, hey, I'm gonna make this guy a household name. And so. It's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott. You get the contract, and now when they take CeeDee Lamb, where it's third and seven, they're going to double CeeDee Lamb. Tony Pollard in the slot? Do you like Tony? the idea of Tony Pollard in the slot? Personally, I like a receiver in the slot because that's what they're used to doing. That They're used to now. I like Tony Pollard in the slot if he's going against a linebacker, not if he's going against a uh, nickel corner that – if you're saying you're moving him to receiver, which they say they want to try to do, no, I mean, a nickel corner is going to be able to cover Tony Pollard. I, I prefer a receiver that's been doing it and knows how to get open and understands the nuances of route running. And, and so I prefer a receiver over, to, over Tony Pollard in the slot, me personally. Now, what kind of personnel grouping will that defense put out there Sure. when Tony Pollard is in the slot? So if they go two backs, what kind of personnel do they – they classify that as, and, and maybe it's a strong safety or a linebacker, then, yeah, I, I like that. I like that for the Cowboys, but not not if it's a nickel corner, no. All right, uh, we'll get back to some Cowboys talk in a second. Brandon Whedon will be our guest. He's a former uh, former Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. But uh, I, I do have this not-so-breaking news. We were talking about um, roller coasters and rides and falls from uh, skydiving. We also talked a little bit of bungee jumping. Jason Stewart producing this here uh, production. I f- I've forgotten that you you're a bungee jumper guy, right? Like that's this. Jason, is... you bungee jump? Yes, I am. Oh! I am. Of uh, you know, there's a place over here in L.A. called the uh, Bridge to Nowhere. It's an old abandoned bridge, and a bungee company took took over it, so you could bungee down into this uh, towards Gorge. this river. Gorge. It looks. It's like a little gorge, like a mini gorge. Yeah. So we got video and everything. I, I have a. I have a, a million questions. And how many times have you done it? Yeah. Um, I've done it a total of three times over two trips. Because you know when they go when you go there, they're like you could pay for one, but you'll want to go twice. So the first time I went there, I'm like, you're right. I want to do this again. Um, and so you I, did it I immediately would do it every right weekend. after, like you hey. got done. You did it like immediately. Were or? you nervous that first one? Were you nervous? Well, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get to the first one. So, so do you have to like walk upstairs? <laughs> are you standing down, looking over? Are you do you are you, do you have any issues with heights to begin with? Okay, let's see. Um, first of all, you walk to the bridge. There's no walking upstairs or anything. You walk to the bridge, and you never actually get down into the gorge. So you you stay up on the bridge. Um, nerves don't, aren't a factor for me. I've I've done some skydiving too. Um, I like I like the heights. That's not that's I mean, it was the best adrenaline rush that I could possibly ever receive. Because yeah, you um, you feel like you're gonna die. You could die. Because there's always that could, chance. Yeah. But just the feeling of free falling at you know at that speed. It's uh it's something that's undescribable um, and amazing. Amazing, he said. Amazing, wow! It really is, TJ. And I'm I think, sure. I think I'm sure it is. It's it, one you, of those like that looks. That looks exhilarating. I'm gonna pass. <laughs> right? That looks exhilarating. I'm gonna pass. 
Mm. I mean, no. you have to be a certain type of in- individual to enjoy that initial free fall and like, man, this bungee better bungee. You know, it better bungee. Don't snap or give way or yeah, that that part of it is just for me. It's kind of it's a little fearful there. A little fear. A little, a little bit. That's that's a that's a no thank you. I look I'll, I'll, so there's a But there's you a just Doug, you just said last segment that you would actually consider skydiving. No, I didn't. Uh, you was uh, you said I would have to have two parachutes so that no, when I you di- s- no I didn't I, this discussion <laughs> never came up you I said, never said that you, one shoot I wouldn't I couldn't have one shoot so that's no, the impression the first the first time you go you go on something somebody goes on your back anyway and they they have their shoot and you have your shoot I have no I just have I've always I've, I've this is my sister went skydiving I think on her 18th birthday I remember she told me she's she's I was like how was it she's like well I threw up but it was it was great like no I just. I'm yeah. sure it'd be incredible. I look, there's a bridge in, uh, where I live, and um, my my son, like one day, like he went he went with his buddies in the summer. He's like, Dad, we jumped off the bridge. Like, yeah, it's like a like a childhood, early teenage, you know, uh, from like 11 to like 13, 14. Some 16 year old kids will jump off this this bridge. So he's telling me about it, and and I was like, well. Let's let, take me there. I want to see it because I thought it was like a like a five foot, ten foot bridge, whatever. It was a decent height. So he's jumping off of it, and I'm, you know, you got to check for boats. Don't want to land on a boat. That'd be a bad thing. So he's like, "Call me soft." Him and his buddy Colton are calling me soft. So finally, I get up there, and I did not want to jump off this bridge that a couple of twelve year olds were, thirteen year olds were jumping off this bridge, but I did it. But that was like that's like the limit. That's. I don't know. I, I watched your video, Jason, and I think that looks fun. How close are those sides of the kind of gorge? Because it feels like if you jump in the wrong direction, you're going to hit a little rock. Well, that, not the, actually, the tricky part is, and they, they do a little training session before they do it, you're supposed to jump out so that the bungee, when it kicks back, doesn't kick you under the bridge so you smash your head, right? Yeah, so you have to no. jump out so that there's an no. angle to go that's under no. the bridge. Come on, that's man. A, no. No. So you can possibly no. bungee snap and get knocked out. Yeah. Now there's now there's two possible oh. right? there's the two fun, possible guys. ways in which you can you can die. Yeah. Once you get to the second way you could die, I'm good. I was good before. Now I'm really now I'm I'm good. I'm definitely set. The first person that said, hey, I'm going to make this bungee that's strong enough for people to jump off. And yes. The first person to do, like, wow. Was What was, well, bungee was originally, it's originally designed, though, for, like, for repelling, right? J, like, right? So, I guess, I guess somebody who was repelling at some point was like, hey, we could actually do this where you could jump off of things. Yeah, Just think I'm, of the trial and error it took. Like, I think it was too long. <laughs> <laughs> Too much slack. <laughs> but think about this, guys. Um, California has a lot of restrictions and insurance and liability laws, right? So you're strapped around your waist on this one. Nothing's going to happen to you if you go to like South Africa. Where you there's just no said if you don't. You just said if you don't jump out, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, back there are a couple and things. You can hit like your that. head in the bridge. I'm just saying that I want to go to a place where there's no liability, like a South <laughs> Africa or something, where you you could go by the ankles. And you can go like twice as far. You could you could dive twice as far because there's, there's. You a lot would want to do something you like that? Do that. We just said we just talked about oh, oh, a wow. tower if in you India. Love this. Uh, you want the you want you want deeper. You want longer. Yeah. 
it's a drug for you, basically. Pretty you're much. Just, wow. You just pump that sucker into my brain. Wow. I need some sort of adrenaline, even if it kills me. Bring it. Okay. Well, now we understand how you value your your, your life. Uh, that's uh, that's Jason Stewart, adventurer extraordinaire, and the producer of the Doug Gottlieb Show, normally on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb, T.J. Hushman's out in for Dan Danettes, Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio. T.J., we're old enough to remember when this was on uh, in uh, roller skate parties. Man. This is a good roller skate party song. Man, you know what's crazy, Doug? I've never put on what a pair of skates, man. I can't skate at all. I can't skate either. I was too busy doing other things, man. I wasn't skating. I'm I'm literally the only white kid ever grew up in Orange County can't skateboard. Everybody can skate, man. I can't like, skateboard. It, it's I, a, I have it. I have it. Listen, this is. And, I mean, and I can it, I can get on a skateboard and oh, I can't. You know, not fall, but yeah, that's about mm. it. That's about the extent of it. That's about the extent of it for 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 me. It's, what's interesting? So you know, uh, my you know my son so. Hayes is he wants to be a hooper and a football player or whatever. And so he used to he used to skateboard some. And we'd always tease him like, you know, man, hoopers don't skateboard. And he's like and he said, Well well Clay Thompson skateboards is like, well look, he's like the exception to the rule. Most most hoopers don't skateboard. You don't have time. Plus you can get hurt. It's like ah he he I he literally said, My my bones my bones don't break. They 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 don't break. So one of his close friends broke his wrist, like really nasty compound fracture of his wrist skateboarding over the weekend. Now, thankfully, he's going to be okay, but he's got to have like two surgeries now, whatever. I just turned to him when we heard the story. I was like, he's like, don't say it. I was like, I told you hoopers don't skateboard, man. That doesn't, you don't don't break compound fracture of your arm when you're playing basketball. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I can't skateboard at all. And now roller skate, I couldn't roller skate either. But I could like stand up and go around the rink and you know hang out at the roller rink party. Nah, roller skating. Oh, I could stand up and I could just let it roll. But nah, I I can't do that either, man. I not me. I I this is something I've never really done. And I know like a lot of my buddies, man, they used to always go roller skating. And I'd be like, I'll meet y'all there. I'm not gonna roller skate. I'll do what I got to do, and then I'll meet y'all there later on. Do you remember the? Um the roller blade phenomenon. Yeah, blade. I do. Okay. I do remember that when that kind of got really popular. I yeah, do. it was, it was really, really big. So uh, this, is a, this is a true story. So I'm getting ready to go to Oklahoma State. So I spent a year. I went to Notre Dame for a year. I went to uh, Golden West College in Huntington Beach, which I know you train at. You got you train some guys guys there at their football field, right? Um, and so, uh, I but I didn't play. And I just I practiced with the team. I would help coach the team uh, in the games. It was one of my old high school coaches, a guy named Tom McCluskey. And then so I'm getting ready to go to Oklahoma State. And, you know, Oklahoma, I'm like, well, it's flat, you know. And I don't remember if I didn't have a bike or what it was. I was like, maybe I'll just rollerblade to school. Right? Maybe that'd be cool. I'd rollerblade to school. And, again, at the time, rollerblading was kind of cool. Like, you could do it. You get away with it. It's not bad. Like, it was a... It was it was it wasn't really that well thought out this whole idea of rollerblade because then you would have had to bring your shoes with you right and then you had these big clunky roll 
But I remember, and I, one time I was, I'd rollerblade to like 24 hour fitness to work out. And those things, I don't, you can't really stop on them. And I remember like I was going down a hill and I literally sat down on the ground, scratched up my whole backside on like my initial ride of my rollerblades. I never rolled it, wore them ever again, ever. Not once. I never put them on, so I, I couldn't relate to you. <laughs> Mark Slayer joins us. Three-time Super Bowl champion, NFL analyst in Fox. I want to get to the NFL in a second, the game you're covering this weekend. But um, TJ was explaining that LSU not blocking an extra point. It's just a simple, what is it, how, TJ, what's the rule? Just block down? Just, hey, Mark, make, you, you, you've been on field goal block. Don't give up yeah, the inside, yeah. correct? It's never correct. They never give up the inside. You know, one of the things they always make you do too, and this is just just such football thing, right? They they say always protect your inside gap with the side of your head, right? Put your jam your head in there, let the guy run over and try to break your neck, and then stick your leg, the opposite leg, out so that you create this big old, you know, so they got to jump to run over around leg, you. Somebody's got to yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to, and it's just like a complete and total give your body up for the team. PAT field goal block. There's so many more rules. You know, you used to have the, the wedge, you know, where one guy would get behind another guy and shove him through that gap, and you're like, really? This is this is my this is my reward for scoring a touchdown. I got to go get my brain. See, Mark, you're you're, you're talking you're talking that old school football where you throw your head here because you know you're going to give your body. They can't even do that any longer. They don't. Play, <laughs> they're not even allowed to do that. Step inside. Let's go play overtime. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it works. Unbelievable. Mm. Um, all right, let, let's let's get to the National Football League. Um, look, you played with you played with one of the all-time greats in a John Elway. And and of course you were there when it was his last game, right? So can can you imagine what it would have been like had Elway taken 11 days away from training camp in the middle of camp? Oh, yeah, well, listen, man. We had yeah, I can. Elway left training camp to go recruit Zimmerman to come back and play uh, left tackle for us uh, in uh, in 1997 in our first Super Bowl run because Zimmerman was up in Sturgis. So we left camp for three or four days to go try to recruit Zimmerman to to come back and play tackle for us. So yeah, I mean that, stuff like that happens. You know, it's not it's not. I mean, 11 days is is a bit extreme, but he's Tom freaking Brady, and I, and I'll tell you this, like. You walk into that organization, even the, the first year, I probably did five Tampa games the first year he was in Tampa. And I'm telling you, all those dudes, and this is what happens when you get a goat like that that walks in and holds himself more accountable than he holds anybody else and he holds everybody accountable. But it, guys like Mike Evans and guys like Chris Godwin and guys like Ali Marpet and guys like Ryan Jensen are like, dude, we thought. Like, we thought we were grinding. We thought we were working hard. We thought we had attention to detail. We thought we were prepared. We thought. They're like, oh, this is, a ne- this is like a completely different level of football with him in there. So the respect factor is so high for a guy like that and what he brings to your organization. Obviously, they won that championship at home his first year in Tampa. Um like, like that, that is so high. I look at guys like that. Like, I didn't have any issue with Elway leaving for three or four days to run up to Sturgis and ride motorcycles with him and recruit him back. So it happens. Um, is it ideal? Probably not. But he's Tom freaking Brady. I'll give him a break. I, I get what you're saying about Elway going to recruit a player to make your team better. But mm-hmm. what Brady did had nothing to do with making the team better going to get a player. I get it. He's Tom Brady. 
But when if you're in that locker room, you say, okay, yeah, like everybody else, it's Tom Brady. What if this season starts off the way they don't expect it to? Is he still, oh, it's okay because he's Tom Brady? <laughs> well, hey, listen, you know winning cures everything that ails you. And so if, if he's playing great and offensively they're producing – um, you know, they've got some issues. You know, it's more than Tom Brady. Like, I know that'll be the narrative, TJ. You know that, you know, guys will, or people in the media and, and, and just even people just around will scrutinize Tom Brady for leaving. And I get that. But you lost your starting center. I don't know how long Ryan Jensen's going to be out. Ali Marpet retired. You lost your other guard. Uh, you know, you lost your other guard, went to Tampa or went to Cincinnati as a free agent. And then the replacement, Aaron Steiny, who played a lot last year during injuries for, for either of the inside three guys, he tore his ACL in training camp. So um, one, thing I, one thing I've known about Brady or we know about Brady, I always say he's one of the best scramblers in football that never actually leaves the pocket. He just has this pocket manipulation, his ability to move side to side, his understanding of, of pressure and being able to deliver downfield. Um, now he's going to have to make up for that by getting rid of the ball quickly. And one thing we know, uh, the two Super Bowls he lost to the New York Giants – was inside pressure. It's people being in your face. That's that's you know you want to be able to step up, especially when you can't escape the pocket because um, you know from an athletic standpoint you're challenged when it comes to scrambling around. So yeah, that'll be the that'll be the narrative. But uh, they've got some serious issues up front, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how they deal with those issues and um, and how well they play up front. But yeah, you know, I mean, if it goes, if it goes south, it always opens yourself up. You, you open yourself up, uh, to, you know, to all that scrutiny and people talking about it. And, you know, that'll be the narrative that, that comes out of that. But I still think for the most part, what he's accomplished over the course of his career and just knowing, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like reverence. Um, inside that locker room, how they feel about Tom Brady and what he brought to the organization. I, 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 I tend to feel like they'll be okay. Like they're not going to hold that against them. Um, Stink, you mentioned up front. What about the Cowboys up front? Ironically, they play the Tampa Buccaneers. You know that they're, they're going to sign Jason Peters. They got Tyler Smith, but they, they, you know that that offensive line, which has when when the line's been good, the Cowboys have been good. Now there's a lot of question marks. What do you think about what the Pokes are throwing out there? Yeah, I mean, that comes down for me. I mean, obviously, Jason Peters, 40 years old, and that guy's one of the supremely gifted, you know, future Hall of Famer, one of the great athletes I've ever watched play the position. But, um, you know, I mean, the age catch eventually, other than Tom Brady, catches us all, apparently. But um, we'll see how they are. You know, I always get down to, I always get down to when you have issues up front, um, then it comes down to how does your quarterback play? How quickly can he deliver the football? How good is he from an anticipatory standpoint? And then how good is your coaching staff? And um, that would be that would be my big question. How much pressure does your coaching staff take off your guys up front? How easy do they make that for those guys? And a big part of my belief is that you know, if you're going to throw it 35 times a game, you got to you got to whittle it down. You got to take and this is like as I travel around the league consulting for a couple of different teams, I always talk to guys about and coaches about taking the passive out of pass protection. How do we allow our guys to be the aggressors? And I think that's a like I think that's a big, really important part of of pass protection and having success 
as a uh, as an organization. So that's a that's a big part of it for me. We'll see how they do. Season kicks off this Thursday. Is this the year that the Buffalo Bills uh, get over the hump, win a Super Bowl, Josh Allen MVP, or will it be somewhat more of the same? Have a good season, do well on offense, uh, kind of more of the same. Yeah, I, you know, I think they're, I think they are an outstanding football team. There's no question about that. You know as well as I do. I mean, some of it comes down to health toward the end of the season, how you're playing toward the end of the season. Uh, Josh Allen, obviously. Is, exceptional as you guys know and uh he's a ton of fun to watch but uh, you know it's i mean i still think you know a lot of people writing off the kansas city chiefs um simply because they lost tyreek hill and obviously tyreek hill is a, a dynamic player there's no question about that maybe the most dynamic player in football but i always kind of look at it like they're like those guys like to me andy reed he's talked about being re-energized does it does it get you to the point where you become more balanced? It, you don't worry about uh, you know about how many times we're going to get the ball in Tyreek's hands. Uh, will we run the ball with more efficiency or at least um, with more kind of authority with uh, with more of a plan? Like I always looked at that Tampa Bay Super Bowl that they lost, and I thought to myself, that's just kind of football hubris, if you will. When you're getting seven, eight yards of carry, and you run it nine times in the course of a game, and Patrick Mahomes is running around for his life with a bunch of backup offensive linemen, like that to me is just silly. So, does this create an opportunity to be more balanced? Like, if I was going to bet the field, I, you know, do I get the Bills or the field? I'd take the field. Uh, the rest of the teams in the AFC um, more than I would take the Bills. Although I think, you know, obviously they're a favorite. Stink, uh, you have uh, what Eagles taking on the Lions. I think uh-huh. I, I think everyone who concludes that the Eagles have a really good roster. The question is Jalen Hurts, and can he, you know, can can he, can he take the next step right instead of just being a facilitator? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, watching watching some of their preseason stuff, uh, kind of prepping this game. They are uh, roster-wise, man. They are loaded. I mean, I think defensive line, offensive line, they can dominate both lines of scrimmage. I think you look at the receiving core that they have um, with speed, route running, and just size, and and uh, and, um, and just overall, just just overall talent on the receiving core. I think Dallas Goddard, excuse me, is is one of I mean one of the best all-around tight ends in football. Um, that nobody really ever talks about when you're having those tight end conversations. Uh, two corners that are sounding you know, like they were 31st in the league in sacks last year. They should bounce that up simply because they got two corners that can flat cover now. Um, I, I think they're a really good team. Obviously, Jalen Hurts. This will be the first time in his career, I believe, that he's been in the same you know same offense for two years in a row without a new offensive coordinator, without new uh, you know terminology and all that stuff. So I guess we're fixing to see what he can do. I know one thing: when they run the ball well, which they were the lead the league, uh, they led the league last year, 159 yards a game. When they run the ball well, and they set up their play action stuff, Jalen Hurts, like there's no there's nothing wrong with his abilities in in those situations. But like a lot of young quarterbacks, it comes down to, you know, when you have to play the drop back game, how well do you anticipate? Are you a sight thrower versus an anticipatory thrower? Like all those things come into, to, to come, 
come, kind of come into the the forefront. And the other thing is like how well do you how well do you layer throws and zone coverage and, and those things from the pocket? And those are the things that he has to be better at. Um, and I, I happen to think he will be. I happen to think that uh, that they're a, an incredibly talented team. So you know, I think they're going to lean on their run game, lean on all that stuff. But uh, but I do think he'll improve. How much is is the big question? And you know, we're we're fixing to find out. All right, uh, you'll hear Stink along with Adam Amin and Christina Pink on the call. It's one o'clock Eastern time. Eagles taking on the Detroit Lions. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, and of course, uh, we follow him online. He got Man uh, Man One Hundred and One, in which he teaches men how to be men. Stink, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy your day. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Be good. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is Dan Patrick's show here on Fox Sports Radio with TJ Hushmanzada. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Hope you're getting ready for a great Labor Day. It's always interesting that we celebrate Labor Day by not laboring. But the grill will be hot. There's still more college football to come. And of course, we are three sleeps away from the NFL season. So, so TJ, look, people in this tweet, actually, I had kind of people went crazy where I tried to explain, look, I've, I actually have a ton of experience with UCLA football, uh, as my brother's an alum. My sister was a cheerleader for three years and on the, the dance squad for a year. So during those four years, and then in the subsequent years after, I've been to a ton of football games at the Rose Bowl. Her first game ever, like this is kind of, we're we're dating ourselves. They played Oklahoma. And it was similar to this past Saturday where it was over 100 degrees. And it was so hot. I'll never forget that when UCLA scored a touchdown, they used to have four male cheerleaders and they would have a U, a C, an L, a sign. And they would run around the inside of the bowl, right, on the on the grass with the flags when they'd score a touchdown. And, you know, we're sitting in front of where the cheerleaders are stationed. That's where they give you their, their, their tickets, like at the 20-yard the line on UCLA sideline. And, and you look across the field, and all of a sudden you see ULA. And one of the male cheerleaders, like, passed out, right? He's, like, running around the field, and he just, like, passed out. And it, at the time, it was really funny. This past weekend, it was crazy hot in California. Now, you get these, you get people in the Midwest and the Southeast, and you tell them, hey, man, it's too hot to go to a football game, and you get the, oh, roll your eyes. UCLA versus uh, Bowling Green drew like 27,000 people, but those are 27,000 sold tickets, sold tickets. Um, I mean, it looked like friends and family over. Here's my question to anybody. Why would you go to UCLA Bowling Green game? It's it's not the Rose Bowl is awesome. There's nothing wrong with the Rose Bowl, but it's there's very little shade outside of that coming from the press box. It you cook, you know, if it's 102 outside, it's 120 in the bowl. Okay, but it's not convenient. It's not near really where anybody lives or very few people who live. That's a football fan or like UCLA fan. It's a beautiful, nice, quaint little town in Pasadena. Right, like it's really nice. And it's not close to campus. It's not close to where a lot of uh, sports fans live. It's UCLA versus Bowling Green. Like, I, I actually think instead of being critical towards 
UCLA football fans, you should be critical towards other people who buy tickets to see terrible games in the heat. It, that's a tough situation to be in. Number one, UCLA is on a quarter system. Their students are not here in town. School hasn't started yet. So that's first and foremost. So the, the student section part of it is going to be slim pickings. Nobody's in school. And then you factor in the weather. Ah, it's, it's not a plus. It's going to be extremely hot. And then you factor in the opponent also. Well, so it's we, the weather, the opponent, and school's not in. Man, they should have thought about that. But is anybody going to expect it to be 100 degrees? I can't recall the last time it's been 100 degrees, at least in that area of California. Man, you get to the valley in the desert, but not not in Pasadena. Um, okay, so here, here's a question. You love, the, the thing I love about you is you love football the way I love ball, right? And if there's a football game, there's a football workout, you'd go. Right. I, I just I'm, I'm just for people who understand, like you work with kids, you work with pros, you work with college guys, but you love ball. You love ball. What would it take to get you to gone on this past Saturday? Because it was ridiculously hot. And I understand, like I've lived in Oklahoma, so it was one of those type of hot, a little bit more humid, more humid than we're used to. And like really next level heat in in California. Uh, what would it have taken to get you to to go to that game, to sit in the stands and watch UCLA versus Bowling Green? At like, I, who decides on a noon kickoff as well? It would have had to have been a family member or a close friend or somebody that I'm really close with playing on either team. Or if they had given me a sideline pass, I would have gone. I could get in the you shade. Have I gone could on a sideline. You can't watch. Remember, like that's a that's a it's a five hour commitment at least. I, just I went driving there Friday and getting night. there. Huh? Friday no, it was night. Sat- it I was went, Saturday. I went, no, no, I'm saying Friday night. I went to a high school football game. For, first time I had gone to a game in a while. Um, enjoyed a good game between Mission Viejo and Long Beach Poly. But in that in that weather, Doug, yeah. it's, it, it would have to be somebody that I'm close with, family member, like I said, a friend, somebody I've trained. It It's hot. It's hot. That's a no thing. And I don't, I don't no mind disrespect, the heat. No disrespect. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a bowling green, but you kind of already know the outcome. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> that, that, that plays a part in it as well. It's UCLA bowling green. You're like, I kind of know UCLA is going to win this game. It's probably not going to be that competitive. And do I want to sweat it out? And, and so that plays a part in it. And, and I get it. I get it. Just hopefully moving forward, it doesn't stay that way. When you're a college student, you look forward to these, what is it, seven weekends that you get home games? Sure. You you look forward to that. That's part of the experience of being a college student. And so I, I foresee that changing in the future. But, uh, man, I mean, man. Do you know, so their next game is, now granted, next game's at night, but it's five, it's at, in the, I mean, perfect time is five at night. They play Alabama State. But, I mean, can you imagine the crowd? Then they play South Alabama. Now, there, there'll be a better crowd because people will show up and students will be there or whatever. But, it, you know, part of it is the schedule, which, which I guess does lead us to, hey, they're going to expand this thing. They're going to be in the Big Ten. And you have lots of schools that are sitting there, you know, Oregon sitting there going like, look at our stadium would be full no matter who we play. UCLA, they don't care. Why are they in the Big Ten? Oh, it's just the TV market. This is, I do think that UCLA is going to be a little bit 
Chargers like unless they have a couple of great a, a, a great year before that happens. And Chargers like in that that stadium will be full when they're in the Big Ten, but it won't be full with UCLA football fans. It'll be you know the 60, 40, 50, 50 variety. If you win, they'll they'll come out and watch you play. If you put on and you put a team on the field that's giving you a reason to want to watch them, they're they're gonna come out and play. And, that, and that's the thing about when you play in California. There's just so much to do in Southern California. There's just so much to do, and so if the team is doing well, I mean, you look at what USC just did. That that's how you start off your tenure here at USC and Lincoln Riley. That that's how you start it off. You get some excitement. You get people looking forward to watching you play. And, and so UCLA, they have a veteran team. The quarterbacks coming back COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, DRT or DTR. DTI. This is his sixth year. He he's a veteran, and that's an understatement. He's been in college football a long time, and, and so UCLA should be a pretty good team. You know what's really weird about this is as as a player, when you look into the crowd, it's like, oh man, like your energy is so different when it's game time. Sure, and then you look in the crowd, you're like, oh man, is it when they coming? <laughs> Midway first quarter, second quarter, they still not here. They, so they, that's the problem. They, they're they're not they're not. Let's get to that that Brady thing. I mean, like, look, it's it's really really interesting that um, you still have people like ah, the division's not any good. Like, the Saints roster is pretty good. I don't know what to make of Carolina because Carolina, when they have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they're they're obviously a, a completely different football team. Even going back to last year, he gets hurt. They're three and zero. They they never recover. Now that wasn't. It was against at least two kind of bottom feeders in the league. But still, um, I don't know. I I look at Tampa and I think uh, there's all these little signs there that that should point point to them having somewhat of a disappointing season. Right, the Brady thing. Lose your starting center. You lose. You know. You have a. You have a, a retirement from an offensive lineman you weren't expecting. You lose another offensive lineman. You have a, a change, you know, in, in, in the head coach. I know most of the rest of the staff has stayed the same. I don't know. There appears to be signs there. But you look at the division like, all right, it's, if I don't love them, who do I love? What do you make of, of how we should feel going into Tampa season? It's going to be interesting. The Saints are going to be better. And, and the Saints defensively run a same system. Same defensive uh, coach and Dennis Allen will, will be there. They they gave the Bucks problems. If, if Jameis Winston can stay healthy, the the Saints are going to present problems for the Bucks. And, and you spoke of it offensively up front for for the Bucks. What are they going to do? Any quarterback? It's not just Brady. If you get pressure on them, they're going to start to feel that pressure. They're going to start to sense it, and so. It, it, it's going to be – it's not going to be as easy, I believe, as people perceive it to be. The Saints are going to present a problem. Carolina, you, we don't know. They have a good roster. If Baker's healthy, Baker has played good football in the National Football League. Like, he's been a good quarterback at times. And so, if he's healthy and he's playing with the confidence uh, that he played with when he took the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs – That'll present a problem as well because the Panthers also, they have, you look at their roster, they have a good roster. And so it's not going to be easy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Bucs also have a good roster. 
But where they're hurting is up front on that offensive line. You can't be that way in that division, not with what Carolina has on the defensive front and not what the Saints have on the defensive front. And so for the Bucks, it's just going to be – can they block guys? Can they get stops? They're going to get stops because defensively, Todd Bowles, he's going to stop the run and force you to be one-dimensional and throw the ball. Can those other? Can Baker do that consistently? Can Jameis Winston can do it consistently? Can Marcus Mariota do it consistently in Atlanta? You know, we didn't talk about those guys, but the, the Falcons also, they present matchup problems with Kyle Pitts and Drake London out there with, with that size and that ability to just be big big guys that can move. And so for the Bucks, it's going to be interesting because if they don't get it done, they're going to point to the 11 days. They're going to go back to the 11 days and what if and, and, and the whys and things of that nature. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's the best point that anybody's made on this, TJ, is if you remember, um, I guess it was last year, right? Wasn't it last year where, where Aaron Rodgers was late showing up and did he want to be traded and not want to be traded? And what did he do this offseason? He wasn't at OTAs. He was out hiking Machu Picchu, right? And what happened? First game of the year, they go out there and they just get hammered. They played New Orleans in Jacksonville. Am I remembering, Jay Stu, am I remembering yes. the, the games correctly, right? New Orleans in Jacksonville. And they got smashed. Now, he ended up having an MVP season and having a great year. But for that... That short period of time, I everyone said, myself included, was like, maybe, maybe you should have spent a little bit more in the summer in the film room. I'm, I don't know, right? It's the message that you said. Here, here's the here's the way I would I would uh, re- re- relate it to somebody. Um, in the early '80s, my dad was an assistant coach with Tex Winter at Long Beach State, and Tex Winter, if you remember that name. Um, it was the architect of the triangle offense. He was a great college coach before he put the triangle into the Bulls and into the Lakers, a part of Phil Jackson's staff winning all those championships. And um, when he was at Long Beach State, my dad would my 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 dad told me that that the off the drills, uh, the implementation of how they played, all this stuff was incredible. But when they'd start the defensive segment of practice. If they put the defensive segment at the end of practice, he would leave practice. Leave. I mean, I don't have anything to do with the defense. He didn't even like pay attention. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. So, and, and like, there was nothing wrong. And uh, on most, most basketball staffs, the, the coaches will break down. Sometimes, some even have an offensive and defensive coordinator, right? So it's not like the, the head coach is really implementing much of the defense, but not being there or n- makes it not important. The head coach ain't there. It ain't important. And guess what? They were great offensive teams. They weren't very good defensively. It just that wasn't his thing. He wasn't into coaching it. Like, you guys coach that. I'll just coach the offensive side of the ball. And I do think that that – that leadership, whatever, whoever your best player is, whoever your coach is, or how, how they lead, that, that embodies who your team is. And it's going to be interesting because Brady obviously is seen as a workaholic. And the whole MO on him is nobody works harder on his body and his brain and being ready and being prepared. And then, dude, he's, he's off the radar for and, and 11 And that's days. how you know it was important. That's how you know because of everything you just said about Brady. For him to do that? It was important to him that he left camp. I guarantee that was the last resort. Buccaneers play the Cowboys this Sunday. Yep. 
are we going to overreact to whoever loses? Like, oh, of I told you so. Told that we well, knew when it. the Cowboys lose, we always crazy over people crazy overreact. And if Tom Brady doesn't play well, you know that what I mean. Of course, what we're going to say, we shouldn't take 11 days off of camp, big boy. Like, you, 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 you know when you leave training camp for 11 days, any player, especially Tom Brady, it's like, whoa. Whoa. Like, yeah. it has to be something so important. Nobody would do it, let alone Tom Brady. And so that's how you know it was very important. You just hope. If you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, that this isn't a storyline because they don't play well. If they don't play well, they're just not playing well. It has nothing to do with 11 days. But the 11 days will be the story. Of course it will. Of course it will. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 